Hey everyone and welcome to Around the Campfire with Kate. Several months ago I interviewed Marcus Torgerson. That interview yielded the humbling experience of an email from a United States veteran. This veteran explained to me that he was at his wit's end. He'd already had his pistol loaded, ready to pull the trigger. I know he's listening to me tonight because I emailed him and to let him know that I was interviewing Marcus again tonight. He does not know how his phone tuned into the broadcast that night, just at that crucial moment. But you know what? God does. And it did. He listened. And then he began to focus on what Marcus was saying, his words. And Marcus ministered to this man. He put the gun down and he listened some more. On March 22nd of this year, Marcus posted something on his Facebook page that helped change this man's life. Marcus wrote, quote, The greatest achievement was at first for a time a dream. So that's the start. Identifying the dream and what you want to achieve. Then we turn that dream into a reality. Every accomplishment begins with the decision to try, unquote. With over four decades of martial arts experience, including three decades instructing self-defense and personal fitness, as well as two decades working nightclub security, he has become a respected expert in responding to and de-escalating violent situations. During the past 10 years, he's had the privilege of traveling the globe, certifying men and women in over 20 countries to become Krav Maga instructors conducting instructional seminars, and rank testing. He is the only non-Israeli on the International Krav Maga Federation instructors team. And currently he is teaching mentality and movement, providing students the tools to survive and thrive during violent encounters. My special guest tonight, if you haven't already guessed, because I told you, sitting around my campfire is Marcus Turgerson. Welcome, Marcus. Whoo! Um, yeah, Did you I, like that intro? I'm, I'm. I was trying. I was like, "Don't cry! Don't cry! Don't cry!" You uh, and it was. It was. Uh, I, I had to like go think of dead animals or something for a split second to stop <laughs> tears from coming out. That um, yeah, that uh, that was a good one. I'm, well, dead dead animals would make me cry. Yeah. Well. So yeah. <laughs> I get more angry at the thought of dead animals, and then uh, yeah. and our producer just said he's crying. Okay, well, <laughs> see, good, good. <laughs> it'll it'll happen tonight. I I can tell you right now, you've already pushed all the buttons. Well, see, what we do not do not realize in our lives is that we do not know who is really watching us or who is really listening to us, and that night. God had you on my broadcast, I believe, for all the listeners and all the viewers, but for that one man. Because now he is into Krav Maga. Now he is changing his life because of the words that you spoke. That's huge. <clears throat> well, but, normally okay. I would say something smart-ass to try to deflect it, but instead... I out of, out of respect for the fact that this man is a champion to me, 
I'm not going to say anything smart. I just say thank you for staying alive and thanks for just taking it one day at a time. It's hard to do sometimes. Yep, sure. It is. Well, you know, and it's I, I say this to a lot of people when they talk about, you know, I usually will put it on every single person who's like on an uh, anniversary for not drinking or doing drugs or whatever. A one hour, one second at a time. And, and, and that's really all you can do. Now, that, that doesn't just apply to addicts. That applies to everybody. You know, you're having a day where you want to chuck your child across the room or stab your, 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 your partner. Um, sometimes you have to take those breaths, which I'm sure everybody listening has wanted to stab somebody at some point in time for something. Oh, absolutely. And if you haven't, if you haven't I don't want to be friends with you. <laughs> well, tell us how you got the nickname, Taz. Uh, well. So Taz is it was a shortened version of Tasmanian Devil with Tourette's. Now I'll, I'll go. I'll start from the beginning. So I have a friend of mine, Brent Limer, who wrote a book about our times in the, in the nightclubs. And when he was given his description of me, it 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 was uh, you know Marcus is this and that, and he's much like a Tasmanian Devil with Tourette's. And when I read it, I, I just was like, that's the best example of, of who I am ever. It was fantastic. But then when Clint brought me in to do that book, Combat Edition, he was like, okay, so you have a nickname. I'm like, yeah, it's Tasmanian Devil Threats. He's that's too fucking long. And then it just ended up being Taz, and that's just kind of stuck ever since. So that's me. That's why. I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. But you know, it's, it, I'm not, I am not, obviously we all evolve, right? So if you're the same way now that you were 20 years ago or 10 years ago, you know, you better give yourself a shake because you should have evolved at some point. And I'm definitely not that way anymore because it, it doesn't serve me a purpose. I have nothing, I have nothing to prove. I have no, I have no need to, to push my my ego or my my bullshit onto somebody and that's usually what the tasmanian devil thing was is i just allowed my ego to get involved of everything and and then it was a clean up in aisle six as my friend brent would say <laughs> can you explain the mentality and movement program that you would teach yeah well i came up with it i was in the shower which is where all my brilliant ideas come in uh, so you just basically cleaned up your act, huh? I did, yeah. I cleaned it up, and I was like, hey. And see, I have a real problem with being put in a box. And I, I believe this applies to a lot of people. But, like, yeah, I, I teach Krav Maga, and yeah, I do this, or yeah, I do that. But but that's not, that's like, that's not me. That's just a, a, a portion of me. So, really, at the end of the day, when I'm telling anybody to, to how to deal when violence comes into their life, it, it has to do with, yeah, you have to learn movements or techniques or tactics, whatever cool words you want to use. But at the end of the day, they're just movements. So I teach a simple, simplistic amount of movements. And while we're doing those movements, we need to change your mentality on how you accept violence. Not, not necessarily that you're willing to let it happen, but that you have to understand that it's going to affect you in a different way. Embrace the fear that comes with it. Um, and so just kind of, and I know they say, you know, mindset and it just, it was bugging me because the word just kind of, I was like, yeah, it's used all the time. And then just mentality and movement came in and uh, boom, there you go in the shower, scrubbing my shoulders. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I, There's a I, visual. I do not get those. Well, I'm not going there. 
I do, I do not get those moments in the shower. But <laughs> I'm glad that I'm glad that somebody does. Well, I used to drink in the shower, so now I've had to obviously uh, since I don't do that anymore. I've had to replace it with uh, with some kind of uh, something. It's my Thinking. only time to get creative. Thinking. There you go. Yeah. Thinking in yeah. the shower. Yeah. Can you tell us about the part that you played in the book, A Hundred Deadly Skills by Clint Emerson? Now, this is a plug for Clint Emerson's book, A Hundred Deadly Skills. I am not endorsed by Clint Emerson, um, but I have heard about the book, and I know that Marcus has been a part of this book, so I am going to put a plug for it. It's A Hundred Deadly Skills by Clint Emerson. It's on Amazon. Um Go look it up. Purchase the book. Okay, back to you, Marcus. So, 100 Deadly Skills is uh, there's three books now. The there's uh, like, well, each book is unique in itself. One's a little more urban. One's a civilian. Like, civilian, yeah. Like it's there's and then one's combat. Not, there's no doubling up. There's like 100 Deadly Skills in each one, and they're just they're they're. I know guys who are, are operators and they take his books with them just as reminders to just stupid stuff. Like my personal one favorite is, I can't remember. It was in the first book on how to dispose of a body. And it gives you three ways to dispose of a body. Now, is that, is that the best, you know, it's not really the, the best information, but for me, it interested me, but it's all done in a, in a drawn form. So there's no pictures except hand drawn. I'm not doing it justice whatsoever. Just go to, Go to Amazon and buy the books and you'll understand why they're awesome. And they're good for everybody. There's not a person that's like, well, it doesn't apply to me. Segue into the, the third one, the most current one, the one that I'm a part of, the combat edition. And what, what Clint did, which was unheard of, was he grabbed 16 subject matter experts in a variety of different disciplines, uh, weaponry. I mean, he got serious legends in this book. And it was during COVID, so he was actually able to drive around the country because we were all stuck. You know, we couldn't travel anywhere. And then he just went to city after city after city and uh, and videotaped and interviewed us. And it was uh, for me, it's it's professionally the excuse me the highlight of my career so far, uh, being in that book. And uh, in the book, every one of us is kicking the shit out of some like world-renowned asshole like Saddam Hussein, Osama bin Laden. Uh, I got Hitler, so I kick Hitler's ass in the book, which is a, another professional highlight. I uh, I have to say I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> a personal goal of yours. Personal goal of mine. And they were drawn by a guy named Tom Mandrake, who's this, you know, uh, world-renowned comic book artist, and he did a oh, just a great job. But the best part about the book is there's little QR codes on each page that when you scan your phone, it directs you right away to videos of the exact movements you're looking at in this in this book. So wow. yeah, you get so you get a visual of a of a drawing, you get some verbiage, and then you get the video of of these experts doing this uh, their badass stuff. And I mean, it's phenomenal. The the book has I mean, legends like Tony Blauer. Okay, you've got Seals, uh, Rich Graham, uh, Dom Rosso. You've got you know, and Marcus Torgerson, yeah, another badass. Yeah, well, and I, I'm, I will just if Tony was to listen to this and they heard me, I'm gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna do what I normally do. He'd just kick my ass. I am very fortunate to be among them, 
and I believe that the that my section, uh, especially the videos, were the feedback's been very good because they've been they're idiot proof, right? Anybody can do what I asked them to do in in my section, so it's cool. Wow, that yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Wow. One of these days, Mr. Clint Emerson, you're going to listen to one of these podcasts. And you're actually going to say, "Hey, I want to talk to her." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, hey, Clint. We'll see. I'm telling you. It's a great podcast. You might want to look out, to buddy. Yep. I'll find you, a way to get one. You have a t-shirt that I covet. It's called Hunt Your Local Pedophile. Tell us about your t-shirt and how that came about. Uh, well, uh, it came about because uh, I have a... I, I don't want to say hatred because even that doesn't do it justice, but I have a disdain. I, I don't know. There's not even a word in the English language, I don't think, that would describe how I feel about all pedophiles. So, and I mean, a lot of it has to do with being molested as a child. So obviously I'm a little, you know, not sensitive. I'm more heightened and aware of it. Um, and so over, I think it was a, about a year ago or so, um, I don't know, there was these stickers like uh, terrorist hunting stickers or whatever. And I thought, you know, they should have one for pedophiles. And I was like, you know what, you should hunt your local pedophile. And the whole, and I have to make sure we qualify something because there's been some blowback because they think I'm saying to go and, you know, kick indoors and hunt down pedophiles and kill them. That's not the purpose. The purpose of the shirt is to allow or to make sure very loudly because it's black with orange writing that if you're a pedophile or if you support pedophilia or in some way, somehow you're like on that side of the fence that you're acknowledged that you're not welcome on this planet. Now, it is the, you as somebody who flies a lot, going through TSA can be a pain in the ass. I think everybody has a TSA story. Since having that shirt on, I've gone through TSA in like 3.2 seconds. I've had the most positive experiences ever since wearing that shirt. I make sure I fly with it now just so I can Good. Get TSA. Good. And those who oppose your shirt or yep. do not like the verbiage of the shirt, they do not have to wear it. No. And what's funny, though, honestly, is the it is a it is a barometer for me on on somebody's stance to some degree of of pedophilia, because I've had grown women come up and I think it might just be the word hunt, to be honest with you. But I've had people, men and women. Well, it beats the word kill. Well, uh, and I think, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And and I get some I get some people who, you know, they're God-fearing people and they're like, you know, everybody deserves forgiveness and and I no. I can agree to some some aspect of that. The problem I have with it and not to get too much on a rant on this, but if you're a man or a woman cuz pedophiles don't discriminate, they're both genders. If you're a person who has destroyed lives for your own arousal, and you're like, well, yeah, but now I'm asking for God's forgiveness because I'm repenting. But meanwhile, you've left a destruction of a trail of destruction. Um, and this is where I'm a hypocrite because I like to be pretty forgiving about a lot of things. But when it comes to that, yep, I uh, I kind of have a closed mind about it. And I, I, I'm all for the um, fire extinguisher fire phenomenon. For those that don't know you. 
put them in a chair, you light them on fire, you put them out with an extinguisher, you wait a minute, you put them back on fire, and then put them out <laughs> again. And you just keep doing that until they expire. I'm not promoting violence, I just encourage it. I am a victim of pedophilia. Mm. Um, and I am here to tell you that real victims, they can forgive the person, but they cannot forget or forgive the action. Yep. yep. And um, I am here to tell you, my stepfather and my stepbrother, when they sold me into sex slavery, I have forgiven them as a person. People say, well, you need to forgive and forget. Well, you cannot show me in the Bible where it says to forget. Yeah, no. I have forgiven them. I have not forgiven their act, nor will I ever forgive their act ever in this lifetime. No. I if agree. I saw them on the streets, well, my stepfather is deceased, but if I saw my older brother on the streets, I would not give him the time of day. Mm-hmm. I would not acknowledge him. I have nothing to say to him. He is my stepbrother. He is not my blood brother. And even if if it was my blood brother, I would still chop off his yoo-hoo. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I agree, uh, obviously, a thousand percent. And I think that anybody who's listening to this, who's who's had to deal with any type of of sexual, we'll just say issue, because it's so broad, everybody has to heal their own way, right? And if you're, if you're a, I don't know, let's say you're a 19-year-old person, man or woman, and it re- it's still recent, well, you're obviously going to react differently than a 52-year-old man who's been living with this for, you know, 40, 30, 40 years. So the bottom line is, as you said, you don't, you can forgive the person, but you'll never forgive or forget the act. And I, I to be honest with you, not to dwell on it, but don't forget it because it's it's something that gets hardwired into your survival mechanisms. And you can take that and you can teach others yeah. how to deal with it and how to live with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that the, the, the problem I have is when, you know, a lot of people make fun of it about, well, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Like the, the movie uh, Goodwill Hunting, you know, people say, well, it's not your fault. It, it's important that you understand it's not your fault. You did nothing wrong, right? You did nothing wrong. And where I, this is where I have a problem with, with, the, with the pedophile people is the power that we give them by blaming ourselves. So if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, my fill in the blank uh, molested me and uh, you know, I feel like a piece of shit and it was my fault. Just remember that every time that you sit there and say it's my fault, you're giving them power. So fuck them and their power and be like, okay, you know what? You're a piece of shit and you did this to me. Fuck you very much. I hope you sit there and swallow acid. And I have to move on and become stronger as a result of the actions that have been brought to my life. And that's not an easy thing to do. I think we would agree, right? It's not an easy thing to do. It is not easy at all. One of the hardest things that I've had to do was when I was rescued from human trafficking. I was 13 years old. And... Um, I was one of the lucky ones that I was to be sold as a virgin. So I was not violated. I was definitely one of the lucky ones. Um, When I went as an adult in my 20s to an elementary school and I talked 
to the elementary school students to let them know that I was there for them and that my job as an adult was to stop pedophilia, was to stop human trafficking. This little person, she was about eight years old. She come up to me. This is you'd think that this would be the easiest thing for me to accept. It was one of the hardest things for me. Was she tugged on my on my shirt tail and she said, "I want to be just like you." Yeah. And that was so hard for me because I had to literally go through hell to get to where I was, and I did not want her to have to experience that hell to get to be where I was. Yeah. 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 And that told me that that little person was going through hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, you know, we, I mean, we don't have anywhere near amount of time to be able to, to really get into this. I will say this, that when you talk to other, uh, I know the word is survivors, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm big on thriving and, 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 th- because anybody can survive. and I, We've yeah. already survived. We are yeah. now thriving. Yeah. I think the mere fact that you're still alive after the action has happened, you're, you've survived. You're surviving. You may, not, you may wish you didn't survive. But you're forever going to be altered. And, and this is – bear with me for a second here. This oh, is where – Take it away. If you if you've been attacked in some way, shape, or form, regardless, and it, again, I don't I don't discriminate between pedophilia, sexual assault, full like it doesn't. If you got if you had to do something that you didn't want to do, then you're we're all in the same swimming pool, right? It doesn't. There's no I don't I don't That's discriminate right. whatsoever. So if you're in that swimming pool, the the hardest part to understand is, is you're forever going to be different. And because you're going to be different, your path is to help out other people. Now that not everybody can do it. Not everybody. I know people who are now, God, they're got to be 60 and they still carry the shame and guilt and, and, and they drink themselves to almost death every night. And, you know, I, I get that. But at some point in time, when you can sit there and be like, you know what? I made it through this. I'm not going to give this guy or girl any fucking power. And I'm going to be there for whoever needs me in whatever capacity. Exactly. So I can be, be with them to go through that and, and see that they can survive and thrive. It's, it's not a blessing by any means, but it's not a curse. It's not the worst thing that can happen to you. It is a bad thing but it can build you into such a different type or different version of you than you might've been had the assault or attack or whatever not happened to you. If that makes any sense. It does. Absolutely. It does. Um, And I do not mind doing the full hour on this. Um, We had Craig, Craig Sawyer on last week and um, yeah. And that, that was his second interview. We had such a good time. Um, and I made him cry too. So, <laughs> so, so, so do not feel bad. Um, I mean, well, that's good company right there. Absolutely. Um, but you are correct. You have taken what's happened to you in your life. And whether you know it or not, 
you have reached out to others just in doing what you do. And to me, that makes you a hero. You don't think you are a hero, but I am not afraid or ashamed or anything on Facebook to say, he's my hero. Because you are, you've been there, you've done that, you know, and you take helpless individuals and you turn them into, I'm going to hurt the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And they are no longer feeling helpless. I wish I had that when I was 13. Yeah. Where were you when I was 13? I think you were 12. So. Uh, well, that's, yeah, so <laughs> Uh, the problem was, is uh, about that time I was getting molested as well. So uh, we were oh. pretty much at the same. Uh, Great. We're on the same pathway there. There you go. Okay. Well. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and uh, I think I, what 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 is challenging for me is is it is such a firecracker of a subject that the truth is is if you have not been violated in some way shape or form in this case i would say shut the fuck up because you don't understand and it's not it's not the same as i have a cousin a sister a brother or whatever because you're third party to it and that's not to say that you i mean you get to witness the destruction that happens but when you're in a room like i can smell another survivor like i oh I mean, absolutely right it, it's it's almost like we radiate a certain a type of uh you just know that you know yeah and to sit there and, and, and be able to say things without having to say anything or speak around a subject and use verbiage that only survivors will ever understand, uh-huh. it's, in some ways, it's kind of cool. And I see, I try to make the best out of everything. Now, I'm not, I'm not good at it. I'm good at it now. But that's after decades and decades of not being okay with like, why did this happen and all that kind of stuff that we go through. So when I'm saying that now, I don't want anybody listening to me like, well, fuck, must be nice to be like awesome at it. I wasn't awesome at it. I sucked ass at it and hated myself for decades because I thought it was my fault. Right. So it's not your fault. And you're now a part of a club. Unfortunately, there's a club, right? It's like, called I the Club of uh, No Return. What was it? Jason Redmond said that he had a club shot in the face club or shot in the eye club. I don't know. Dan Crenshaw, him and a couple other people are a a part of it. It's like a, not a real club. It's obviously made up club. but the truth is, is you're now in a club. If you've been attacked in some way, shape or form that when you're around like-minded people, you can feed off of it. And if you're having a bad day, you can look over and see that that person is surviving and thriving uh, in a way that shows and gives hope and, and, and hope is, is an important thing. I think we we need hope. Without hope, we cannot survive without hope. We can't survive without hope. We have no. to be able to sit there and have hope. So, if you're listening to this, it's not your fault and help somebody else. If you can't if you can't do it for yourself, then help somebody else in which I I think is is for everything. If you want to know how to do something better, you have to teach teach it to somebody else. So, if I need to be able to be surviving my attack better i need to teach how to survive to someone and go through the path together and and grow together there are people out there i know listening to this broadcast they listened last week and craig touched a lot of lives last week and i know this week 
you are touching some lives. I know that there are people out there. I know for a fact that there are people out there that have been um, sexually abused or physically uh, beat up by bullies. Um, I encourage you all not only listen to what Marcus is saying, but reach out. Reach out to somebody and let them know one of the hardest things that you can do is to admit that it happened. But once you admit it, you can help another individual admit it. And it, and it gives you an, uh, an incredible force field every time you, you do admit it out loud because that power goes back onto you. It, it goes away from your attacker. Right? Do not let them pay rent in your head. Yeah, ex- yeah. which I'll be honest with you, I think they always are going to have a space in there because that's just in line with the, the scar that's on your, on your soul and heart. Well, I mine's it's, down it's in the basement the where I have a mental dungeon. Well, you are, you are savage because I have to admit that it's every time it's brought up, it, because I, I personally, I just, I obviously flash back to the, because it was with two different men. And, you know, so I, I, I automatically go back to those moments and, you know, I can't remember what I did yesterday for food, let alone, I don't even remember what I did yesterday, but I can go back to that moment. I can remember everything about it. But every time I talk to, especially when it's somebody who's freshly attacked and you're like, yep, I know what that's like. Yep. Yep. Well, no more. Cause you don't know what it's like. Cause you're your whatever perception they have of me in their head. I'm like, are you fucking insane? I was a 10 year old child. I was a 15 year old young man. I know, I know only too well what it's like to not be able to fight back worse. I know what it's like to choose not to fight back. Ouch. Yeah. You know, when you talk to like, I, I, I'm always a big believer in if you're being attacked, regardless of whether it's a domestic violence attack or just attacked in general, you know, you're dead anyway. So fucking kill everything and take trophies. And so at least when they take you to the morgue, they're going to be prying scrotums and eyeballs and ears and whatever out of your hands and teeth. But when you don't fight back, that's where the guilt and that's where the power in the enemy actually fit, fits in huge because they're, they are always living with you because you didn't do what I'm telling people to do. Now, when you said, like, you wish you had somebody that come, came at you at 13, I wish somebody would have come to me afterwards right away and said, hey, you know what? You didn't fight back. It's, you're not, it doesn't mean that you're a fucking weakling. It doesn't mean that you're a loser. It doesn't mean that you're a piece of shit. It doesn't mean anything just means that that's how you dealt with that situation. Exactly. It doesn't, exactly. Make, you about it. It, it doesn't make you anything negative. It just adds to the story. That's My all. mental strength when those raw emotions come back up is that dungeon. Mm. Is that I can put one more nail mm. into that yeah. individual. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that is my mental dungeon. And that is what gets me. That's that is what gets me through. And that may sound cruel to some people, but that is how I dealt with it. That is how I deal with it now. And you're right. There's something in the back of the mind that will 
always be there, especially when a little person comes up, even an older person, Mm. 60s, 70 years old, that has never dealt with it. And they come up and they talk and they start talking to you about it. Because like you said, you know, you can be in an airport and you know. Oh, yeah. 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 When I teach my my women's only self-defense class, you know, you and you get let's say you'll get a grandmother, a mother, and then a, a daughter in there, like a three generation situation. And you're like, okay, so they say that one in four women are attacked. We know that it's really like four out of four or three out of four. And then you get some scoffing and then you say, okay, if you have the courage, can you please put up your hands? And you see grandmothers raising their hands and the, the mothers or their, their daughters are looking over like, what do you mean you were attacked? What are you talking about? And they've lived with it for 20, 30 years, never said anything about exactly. it. And watching the family dynamic of, oh, my God. And then the mother didn't get attacked. And then she looks over. Her daughter has been attacked. So she's stuck in the middle between two people that have been attacked, that didn't say anything, and that this is their 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 courageous, this is it, I'm, I have been attacked or whatever. You The amount, the numbers would stagger society if everybody all of a sudden put their hand up for who's been attacked. Fuck, it'd be, it'd quiet the earth, the amount. And I'm just talking about in North America, Never mind the rest of the world. Oh my gosh, it's a $65 billion industry a year in human trafficking alone. That is not counting what goes on behind closed doors with families. Yeah, yeah. But I want to get back to Marcus. Okay. And I know that this is a subject that a lot of people like to talk about um, because it is healing for them. Yeah. Um, but this is Marcus's show. Okay. Okay. All right. Talk to us about how you got into Krav Maga and how you became an instructor. Um, well, I got into Krav Maga because I just wanted to be a student. Um, I went for a little bit of a break. I've been doing martial arts, no word of a lie, since I was 10 years old. So... I've run the gambit, before I did Chrome Guy, I'd run the gambit of a bunch of different martial arts systems. I'd owned my own martial arts school. Like, I'd covered a lot of bases. So, in 2005, uh, the girl I was dating at the time, I said, you know, I, I'm restless. Actually, I had a lot of demons were barking loudly. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to go and learn something. And uh, in the year 2000, a childhood friend of mine, uh, his older brother, Peter, had converted to Judaism and said, hey, you know what? I mean, he's known me my entire life. I, you should try this Krav Maga stuff. I was like, yeah, yeah. In 2000, and I say this and people don't understand. In 2000, I was in the worst possible place. I, I wasn't listening to anybody. But for whatever reason, the word Krav Maga must have made an impact. So in 2005, when I was like, okay, that's it. I'm going to become a student. I went and I looked around and I went to, there was a school in a suburb out of the city in Vancouver uh, where I was living. I said, okay. So I went, checked it out, bought a membership, tried it for like three months. I can't say to this day what it was. There was something about it that just didn't feel right. No, it was a good school, good instructors. It just didn't feel right. So the lady I was dating, we went on the internet and found the uh, IKMF, which is the International Krav Maga Federation, which is the federation I'm a part of. And so I emailed them because I was what was on the website when I went to the calendar for Canada. And uh, a guy returned. And he said, yeah, no, we don't have anybody there. I'm like, well, that fucking sucks. Uh, what are my options? He goes, well, 
um, if you know anybody who wants to be an instructor, let us know. I'm like, you didn't help me whatsoever. Okay. So <laughs> I find out that some guy, the guy, actually the guy I was talking to on the email was going to be in San Diego, July of 2005. I think we're in March at this time. And so I looked at my lady and she was like, fuck it. That's what credit cards are for. So I went to San Diego and did a, a three or four hour seminar. And that was it, man. I was hooked line and sinker. It was 105 degrees. It may even been less than that. I don't know. There was a breeze. But I'm wearing all black, black shorts, black top. I'm fucking, I look like a lobster on crack. And it was, it was so much fun. It was the best time I'd ever have. And I was like, seriously, like I can, I can know what a crackhead does now. When they get that first hit, they're like, fuck yeah, I was a crackhead for Krav Maga. And I said, okay, what do I do? And he said, well, uh, you're still in the same situation. We don't have any schools, so you're going to have to become an instructor. I was like, yeah, that's not really what I want to do. He said, well, too bad. That's your option. And I don't deal with Canada. You're going to have to talk to this guy named Avi Moyel. I'm like, okay, Avi Moyel. Excellent. So I contact him. I'm like, hey, how are you? He's like, hey, how are you? He goes, well, I'll be in Canada in August. I'm like, fuck that right on. God's smiling on me. Let her rip. Where are you going to be? He goes, Montreal. I'm like, oh, fuck. So for people who are ge geographically challenged, for Canada, uh, Montreal is like New York to L.A. Like, it couldn't be any further apart. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in Vancouver. I'm on the West Coast. I'm like, fuck. Okay, so I fly to Montreal, and I go to his house, which is his sister's house. I find all this information out later. I'm in this blue suit, man. I mean, suit and tie, and it is literally 115. Like, it is 115 degrees. I am fucking dying. Because I wanted to make a good impression. So I go and I sit down and there's kids running around. Typical Israeli household. I got fucking nine million kids making noise. I spent 10 minutes there. He's like, shakes my hand. He goes, you are the new director for the IKMF. I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck you just said. I don't even know what that means. I said, all right, well, what happens next? He goes, well, come to Israel in October. Stay a month and do your instructor course. And I'm like, oh, okay. wow. Yeah, like, but, but really... He could have been speaking Chinese. I have no idea what any of that means. I, I, I'd never traveled. I think Hawaii when I was 19. You know what I mean? Like, I have no idea about traveling. I'm like, okay. So I go back home into Vancouver and I'm like, look at my girl. And she's like, what? You said yes to what? And uh, to make a long story a little bit longer, I flew <laughs> over in October to Israel, stayed with him for a month. Did my course, which had a whole bunch of different adventures and emotional turmoil and incredible uh, stories. Wow. I want to hear them. What's, what's so cool about it, though, honestly, is he, this guy's been teaching like 40 years or whatever. I mean, forever. Okay. I'm probably, he's not, it hasn't been 40 years, but it's been a, three a long time. Yeah. Never before me and never after me has he ever done a one on one instructor's course. And wow. I do believe God sat there and was like, you know what? Because there's a lot of moving parts on this that should never have happened. Money, opportunity, timing, everything. So, it, and I, I don't wish, but obviously afterwards, my optics are bigger and I can appreciate things. Um, I appreciate it now more than I ever did then. I didn't have any understanding of how gargantuan this opportunity was and it is it is a it is something that i cling on to every day or most days at at just how special that moment was it's a so, huge blessing yeah a it really was blessing. it really was yeah 
And I mean, I love, I mean, I've, I've grown up with his family and I mean, it's been 16 years, you know, I've, I look over on Instagram and I'm always stalking his kids, you know, it's both his, his oldest daughter, oldest son, they're in the military and his youngest sons are now, they're young men, you know what I mean? And there were, one wasn't even born yet. You know, I've just grown with this entire family and it's, it's been a, it's been a blessing beyond any words I can put into, into words that would make sense to anybody. Okay. And who was this, this man that uh, you went to Israel? Uh, Avi Moyel. The guy I met in Montreal uh, was, ended up being my instructor. Uh, he was, and when he said, come to Israel, that was because I was staying at his house and I stayed with him for the month. And then, I mean, I went back and forth. And I have a room in his house. But he, he was your instructor. But who was he? Avi Moyel is, uh, he's a master of Kramaga. He was one of Emi Lechtenfield's, the creator of, of Kramaga, one of his students. Wow. Um, so my, the pedigree that I have when it comes to Kramaga is, you know, is incredible. Now, when I say that, I need to be very clear. Pedigree for me doesn't mean a whole lot. I know a lot of guys in awesome pedigree for martial arts and they're douchebags. So, right. <laughs> I know guys who have got no sort, uh, no pedigree and they are the, some of the most incredible instructors for Krav Maga I've ever met in my life. I am just very fortunate and blessed that my guy is in the lineage, uh, is right up there at the very top and, uh, has been, uh, beyond a blessing he is he has been a mentor in ways that i couldn't i can't even put into words it's incredible wow yeah so when did you start doing that that was not not what year how old were you oh girl i don't know oh my gosh you have to think now i'm 52 now so 52 minus 16 that's how old i was oh my gosh (laughs) you're an old man yeah oh my gosh yeah yep yeah. So you've you've gone through all of that, um, and you've gone through all of that training. What brought Marcus to where he is today? Well, I, I'd say a little bit has to do with my son. Uh, Logan, because of his cerebral palsy, anytime you have a child with special needs or any kind of challenges, it, it alters your perception on things so in Krav Maga we have a section of Krav Maga called adaptive Krav Maga and it's it was made and created for people who have physical challenges and limitations and they need to be able to protect themselves and that was about I don't know three maybe three or four years ago that I took that course and it completely knocked the walls off of my box and my brain just morphed into a completely different version of what I viewed self-defense as being. And to that, after that moment, I walked away and said, well, so now I have tools on how to teach people with challenges, how to protect themselves. And the whole thing I came up with, don't tell me what you can't do. Tell me what you can do. Exactly. And And I've taken that now and I apply it to every single person that I have any interaction with when it comes to their own self-protection or their changing their mentality about what to do when violence knocks on their door. And that's really what brought me into where I am today is, is seeing that I need to have a movement that I can show anybody, no matter what their physical 
situation is, and I need to find the best tools possible for them to be able to be an absolute havoc nightmare for anybody who decides to mess with them. Is that where you be a nightmare for the bad guys came from? Well, originally it was, it was, I came up with it because of like, yeah, I wanted them to be, you know, absolutely terrifying to, to, to bad guys, but the real nightmare for bad guys, that's evolved into the nightmare of bad guys in our head. You know, all those gremlins, all the ones that want you to kill yourself, all the ones that, that, that say, you know what, it was your fault. You got raped or molested. Like I now want to give people the tools to be able to look in the mirror and say, no, fuck you. And, and make those gremlins and those negative insurgency thoughts have them terrified that, oh shit, uh oh, uh oh, that person's awake now. We can't, we can't possibly try to torment them because they've given, we've taken away the food that they feed on, you know, that fear, insecurity, doubt. We've starved them of that by, uh, by these mentality changes and all that. And that's, and uh, that's what being a nightmare for bad guys has evolved to to this day. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So instead of being in the late 1970s, let's fast forward to 2021. Okay. Say I'm a 13-year-old girl, and I just got sold into human trafficking. And somehow, by the grace of God, I'm rescued or I escape. What would you tell him or her in order to survive, thrive, and stay alive? Uh, well. <laughs> I know, that's a toughie. Yeah, yeah well, I, I just need to kind of put things in perspective. If I was allowed to give them a hug, I would give them a hug. Uh, if that was a possibility, if that wasn't a possibility, look them square in the eyes and let them know that uh, this doesn't define them. This is not this is not the 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 scarlet letter that you've got for the rest of your life. What it is is a building block to get better. So let's look at where I'd have to find out where they're most insecure. Are they insecure because they couldn't fight back? Are they insecure about the fact that all the events that happened? The key part is to look that person in the eyes and say, "Well, you uh, you made it." I know you probably wish you were dead, but I'm thankful that you're not. And let's let's work on the next the next step that you have to take, whatever that is. If that's like you have to learn some kind of self-defense because I mean it's reactive, but if you want to learn how to punch, kill, stab, shoot, okay, then let's do that. If that's what it'll take to sit there and begin the healing process, process to to getting you on your next evolution, so be it. Maybe you just need to sit there and uh, stare at a wall for an, an hour or two hours or three days and have somebody within arm's distance to, uh, to be there so you know that you're safe and everything's okay. I think the hardest part for us, anybody like me, I, I, was, never, I was never sold, I never... I never was in sex trafficking in that way. But it is different. It is different than when, you know, it's your next door neighbor or, or whatever. I mean, you know, it, not really. 
Well, not really. It, it maybe to some people it is different, but you know your neighbor. You know the individual who is violating you. That right. is huge trust right, and violation issue. Well, I think what I mean is, is when I walk up to somebody who's been able to be rescued, and I sit down with them, while we could, you know talk about stuff i can't sit there and say well you know what let's say it's a young man let's say it's a 13 year old man young man i can't sit there and say i understand because it's a different type of fear a different type of anxiety a different type it, it's it may be at face value the same thing but once you pull away the curtain it is a different type of anxiety different type of fear than what i went through so instead, what I can do is instead of thinking about what the difference is, I have to find my commonality with that person and say, OK, so where do we start and ask them the question? You young person, where do we start? What are you most angry about? What do you want to change? What do you want to fix? I hate the word fix. But what do, what do you I don't want to put a bandaid on it. What do you what do you want to start with the healing process? What do you need? You want to hit something? Do you want to shoot something? You want to stab something? Do you want to, what do, what do you need? And then getting the dialogue started is the hardest part. Getting them to talk openly because trust is, I mean, <laughs> I don't have it's to gone. tell you about trust, right? Yep. It's gone. It's gone forever. So to sit there and talk to a 13 year old who just came out of that situation, I need to do whatever's going to be healthy and positive for them. I don't give a shit about whether it's healthy and positive. You know, a therapist may be like, don't teach them how to shoot. Don't teach them how to stab things. Well, fuck, if that's the only thing I got to, to get some trust in them and to see that I'm not going to hurt them and that I'm actually giving them tools so that it'll never happen again, then so be it. I don't give a shit whether it's long-term healthy or not. I need to deal with right now because otherwise they're going to be dead in six months. They'll just kill themselves. What helped me was my grandfather had lifelike dummies built. All right, on. of the individuals who sold me and he had lifelike dummies built of uh, the traffickers and he taught me how to uh, stab, jab, kick punch, bite, pull hair and I got to take out all of my anger, hate frustration, hurt, mistrust. And I would label them with every jab. Mm -hmm. This individual did this to me. And so therefore I am angry. I distrust you. I hate you. Mm -hmm. And I would have that label. A lot of people do not have that. But when, when my company and we rescue boys, girls, women, men, we allow them that same luxury nice. because nice. that is important to oh, be yeah. able to, if you cannot physically see your abuser and physically hurt them the way you want to, because you do want to, of course, then those dummies make a huge difference in being able to face your attacker. Outstanding. That is brilliant. I think that is absolutely fantastic. You know, they say that they, what is it? Uh, 
um, I went through a blank because I had about seven things in my head that came up. I think that giving, when you're trying to thrive and survive, being able to tack into violence and saying, here's your option now. You have an option. You can be violent right now at this moment. I'm going to show you some things. Or you can choose not to be violent. But at least you get the choice, which I think is the main thing for all of us. Give me the choice to be violent or I can choose not to be violent. Whatever. Give me the opportunity to feel. Yeah. Do not take that away from me. Yeah. Yeah. That there for many, many years, um, I just, I tucked it away. Mm. I did not want to feel. Right. Um, and I am not talking about the abuse. Um, I'm talking relationship-wise. I was, mm-hmm. I just, I would not allow anybody to make me feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. and I know you can relate to that. Yeah. Um, feeling for people like us is a disease, mm-hmm. but it's a disease that we can conquer. Because yeah. did you know that God created a cure for every disease? Yeah, 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 he did. So we not only can face this disease and we can conquer it, but we can reach out to somebody else and we can say, you know what, I I did this. Mm-hmm. It may not work for you, but yeah. let's try it. Let's yeah. try it. Yeah, yeah, I think, and I think that you hit something very important there. It may it may have worked for me. Doesn't mean it'll work for you. And that there's no one common answer to this question the, the the hardest part is is being open to a plethora of of answers until you find the one that best suits your current your current situation because it evolves your problems your challenges everything evolves it never really takes a long time to get to the point where where you or i or many others are at like a long time i think it's fair to say yeah very fair to say. <laughs> Very fair to say. Um, I'm 50 years old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's something that you have to live with. You do not have to live with it. I've chosen to live with it. Yeah. Because that choice gives me the freedom mm-hmm. to thrive. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. I, uh, I think that when I think the hardest part when I see people who are not <clears throat> maybe at this at this point where we are right now, you know, I'm a big believer in fuck the fuck your attacker, fuck him, fuck him to hell. I don't if 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 every moment that I walk up and I'm like, you know what, and I do or say something that takes power away from that piece of shit then that's a good thing. As long as I'm not hurting anybody else or myself, right? And this is where drugs, alcohol, um, shitty sexual situations, like I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about healthy, healthy behaviors and actions that take power away from your person that tried to ruin your life. I think that the more you do that, the better it is. Oh, exactly. Is, is finding what that is. And that's where the, the fun part but also the challenging and where we lose a lot of people is because they, it takes a long time to get to it. And by then sometimes they've just given up. It's easy to do. Yeah. It is easy to do. Um, 
especially if you live in a family who drills it into your head that right. it's your fault. <laughs> yeah. 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 But uh, yeah. yeah. We are both here to tell the listener and the viewers it is not your fault. No. It's not. Nope. Nope. You know it's not no. Marcus, no. you yes. have worked very hard to be the man that you are. And you probably do not hear this enough. But I'm proud of you, and I'm humbled to call you my friend. And you are my hero. See, you even have the Batman shirt on. So, you know, that's the hero shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I don't know what, you know, I I don't know how to accept those type of comments. So I'm just going to say thank you. There you go. That is. Oh, are you going to cry? Yes. Yes. I'm staying away from it. Okay. And I'm not that I'm like, obviously I have no problem. I am, I am pro crying. I am all for it, but uh, I don't need the snot that's about to come out of it. So. Oh, ew. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Marcus, tell everybody where we can find you. Um, well, if you're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, those are both, uh, I'm, I'm a little more, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say I'm on Instagram more. Um, either of those platforms is fine. I have a website, triple W. I don't even know. Do you have to say triple W anymore? I'm so old. Triple W market Ferguson, <laughs> one word.com. And that's, uh, it's a, I mean, kind of any, a lot of the things that I do courses wise or whatever will pop up there, but social media is definitely my, the most interactive I have is on Instagram or Facebook. Like those are where I'm on every single day. So that's the best way to get me. Awesome. Good. Now the time has come for us to say goodnight. All right. Oh God. I hate to do this because the time has just flown by so fast. Everyone descends the broadcast for me tonight. And thank you. Thank you, Marcus Torgerson for being my special guest. It's been an honor. Well, um, I'm, uh, I'm very thankful that I was given the opportunity to come back. It means a lot to me. Ah, now you're going to make me blush. Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening around my campfire. Remember, train hard and train smart to survive, thrive, and stay alive. And always remember, it's not your fault. And this is Kate signing off until next time.